So we've just heard one of the classic call stories. Uh, so to get us going, I thought I would invite you to turn around and talk to your neighbour. <laughs> of course. And so the two questions I want you to talk about are, how do you, ex- how do you experience God's call? And what are we called to? How do you experience God's call? And what are we called to? So just turn around, talk to your neighbour for a moment or two. Maybe three, if you're lucky. Gospel of John, we have returned to Matthew's Gospel and we will stay with Matthew's Gospel until Lent uh, where we will return to John. And we heard the story this morning uh, and it is a classic call story but it also shows there was a really strong link between John and Jesus. So the reading begins with John being arrested and Jesus hightailing it out of wherever he was and moving down into the Galilee, down by the Sea of Galilee. So John's arrest affects Jesus, so clearly there's a strong link there. And he then takes up John's message. Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. Now, to be fair, that's about the only time that Matthew actually talks at all about Jesus saying repent. But that's what he says at this point, and then all the rest of his teaching, the word repent hardly gets mentioned. But... That's the kind of thing that Matthew says. And he says it because he's really saying Jesus picks up where John left off. So Jesus is the successor of John, but Jesus is more than John. So that's what all that piece is about. And then we have him kind of gathering together his own disciples. And it feels like, as you read it, like a drag net approach. That's what one of the commentators called it where he just randomly walked along the shore and picked out anyone he saw and said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men or fishers of people or just come and follow me. And all those who heard said yes, although I'm sure there were a number who said, it's all right, thanks, I've got quite a nice life here and wandering around after crazy Messiah, people usually end up with you being dead, so I'll just stay where I am. Now, did anyone notice a difference between what we heard in John last week and what we heard this week? There was a a bit of a difference in how the call happens. Well, in John's Gospel, Andrew is one of John's, the Baptist's disciples. And Andrew is standing next to John the Baptist, and when John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. Andrew and some others go off after Jesus to find out when Jesus says to Andrew, What do you want? 
So in John's Gospel, Andrew is actually one of John's disciples. He's not a random fisherman. He already has a strong link to what is already happening. So if we are to believe John that Andrew was already hooked up in all of this, Jesus and Andrew already knew each other. So it wasn't quite as random as Matthew makes it out. And in fact, in John's Gospel, Andrew goes to Peter and says, I have found the Messiah. And Andrew and Peter go to Jesus rather than Jesus going to them. So there's two different versions of the story. But in that, I think we can see that John, uh, that Jesus wasn't quite as random as Matthew makes out and that he already knew some of the people he was asking. He already had links. He knew who they were. They knew who he was. And the invitation wasn't quite as out of the blue as Matthew makes out. And then Jesus says to them, I will make you fishers of people. I wonder what he meant by that. I could get you now to turn around and talk to your neighbour about that, but I'll, uh, I'll just carry on for a few minutes. <laughs> Last week I talked about theological assumptions and how they uh, blind us sometimes to what the Gospels are really about. The trouble with our theological assumptions is that they provide nice, easy answers so we don't actually have to read what the Gospels are about. So we read something like we read this morning and we think, oh yes, well I know what Paul is about, so that was pretty random and we have to answer, and I know what Fishers of People is all about, so we just kind of move on without ever actually having to engage with the text. It's just a nice, smooth run through. As I said last week, and as I said again in the pew sheet, the Gospel writers knew that God was unknowable, but believed that through this person, Jesus, through his life, his ministry, his actions, what he taught, that you could get to know the unknowable God. As you get to know Jesus, you get to know God. That's why they wrote the Gospels. So that we could get a fresh picture of God, of the nature of God. And as we get a fresh picture of God, because that's what they thought Jesus was all about. And as we get a fresh picture of God, we get a fresh understanding of who we are. How does God see us? And how does God see all people and all of creation? So there are a whole lot of theological assumptions about how God worked and how the world worked and who was in and who was out. And they believed that the Jesus was offering us something completely different. And so they said the way into that is through this person, Jesus. trouble is we keep bringing our old theological assumptions into that and we read the Gospels through those theological assumptions. We all do it. I do it. You do it. The trick is to be aware of that and to try to place them to one side, which is a hard thing to do. So this week I thought I'd talk a little bit about Paul 
and what it means to be fishers of people. My theological assumptions, kind of based on Matthew, were that God had a plan for my life and all I had to do was to be like Andrew and Peter and James and John and hear God say, come follow me and I just had to kind of walk in the footsteps that God had laid out for my life. It was pretty simple, really. Uh, So that's what I understood life to be all about. But since then, I've decided that actually the life of faith is a lot more like rock climbing. So in rock climbing, uh, you can choose what rock wall or rock face you're going to climb. And uh, there's no one way up most of those rock faces or rock walls. You get to choose your own path. But the trick is to stay safe. You need to have a safety harness around you. Not the most comfortable thing in the world. And attached to that by carabiner is a rope, which uh, then is controlled by another person who's called the belayer. And they belay you up and down. And uh, you work together. And if you fall, the belayer makes sure you don't fall to your death. And, uh, and it means that because once you get comfortable with all of this and you're confident in the belayer, you can actually attempt things that you wouldn't normally attempt. You attempt uh, going up trickier pieces and pieces, pieces that uh, hang out. And eventually, when you're good enough, you're able to climb over roofs. So I've seen that. People who hang on by their finger, fingertips and their toes into these little things and kind of go across the roof and onto the other side. All because they're confident enough in the equipment and in the person belaying. And that seems to me to be what the life of faith is about. There isn't one way through our life. God doesn't bless one decision and curse another decision. God allows us to make our own decisions. And we can take account of our own skills and our own experiences and how much we trust God and then attempt whichever rock face we want to attempt. So an example of that, when I applied for the Bishop of New Westminster, one of the questions I had to answer was uh, to talk about uh, why I felt called to that position. And a number of years ago I would have answered saying, well I feel called to this position because of all these reasons and that's why you should elect me as your Bishop. But I no longer think that how I feel is all that important, really. I think what is the most important thing all of that is the process. So I said that. I don't feel called, but I trust the process. The process is kind of like God the belayer. And whatever you come out with at the end, I will trust to be the right answer. And if you say no, which in my head I was going, I expect, then I'll be happy with that. And if you say yes, then I, will, then I will take that as a call from God and I will come. When I applied for this job, I didn't hear, I wasn't particularly enthusiastic, would have to be said. I only put my name in because the bishop really wanted me to put my name in for this parish. He kept saying, I want your name on that list. So... I thought, oh, well, the bishop wants me to put my name in, so I'll put it in. 
I don't know that I want to be in this parish. I don't know if I even want to stay in this diocese. I had uh, irons and other fires. I had other offers on the table. Uh, But I did what the bishop said and then I went away for six weeks. And then I came back uh, and we had the, the nomination process. Now, at the end of that process, I was offered the position and I said eventually, yes, because I believed that was a call from God. And the call happened through the process of writing the letter that went with my CV, which outlined what I brought to this position and why I might offer myself to this position, apart from being obedient to a bishop, which doesn't happen that often, so I hope the bishop appreciated it. And uh, which allowed me to think about, if I was climbing this rock face, do I have what it takes? It allowed me to think about, is this the right rock face for me? Do I go up this one, or should I be looking at some of the other ones? And then in the interview, uh, actually meeting the interviewers was really important for me for saying yes. Who you had on that interview panel was one of the deciding factors for me. The fact that you had Margie and Cliff and Ainsley was really important. It helped me think, actually this isn't just a parish of old people. I mean, it was nice that Joyce was there, but, <laughs> but it was the, the fact there were younger people on that interviewing thing that helped me think, actually, this is a parish that I could enjoy being part of. So when I was offered the position, I did take some time, because Bonnie and I had to think about where we were going, but in the end we said, yes, that process was the call. It wasn't about how I felt, it wasn't a blinding light, but it helped, that process allowed me to think, yes, this is the right place. That's what call is for me. It's about a process where you have to hold all of that together. And each one of us make those kind of decisions every day. Call is something that happens every day as we decide how we live our lives. And sometimes we have to make big decisions, and most of the time we make small decisions. So I don't think it was quite as magical as Matthew makes out with Andrew and Peter and James and John. So the second thing, what's the point of all of this? What are we called to? What does it mean to be a fisher of people? Well, I used to think that the point of it all was to get people to come to church. And I was a big fan of church growth stuff and read all the books and went to the seminars. And I was very enthusiastic. And something happened over the last 25 years. I'm not sure. I think it was just a gradual thing. I realised on Friday, as I was writing this, that my office looks out over Gate Park. It doesn't look into the church. It looks out over the Gate Park community. I realised that's a metaphor for how I see the point of it all. The point of it all are the people who live in those houses. The point of it all is how we, as a parish, serve them. Serve the communities of Gate Park, Gretton, Pies Park and Merivale. That's why we're here. Now, some of our theologies talk about that the point of it all is to give our lives to Jesus, to accept that he died on the cross for us so that we might have eternal life. 
So the kind of first big chunk of the Gospels becomes kind of irrelevant, and then uh, the really important part of the Gospels is the crucifixion and resurrection. And what happens in this life becomes almost unimportant. In fact, it is unimportant for some people. I've had that people say to me, John, you don't need to worry about social justice stuff because what's really important is what happens after we die and God is going to make a new heaven and earth, so let's just not worry about this world. So, how can we look at that differently? Well, if we read the Gospels and actually read what Jesus says, he says this life is pretty important. All of what he did was with people, and he was saying, this life is important. And if we read the early theologians, like the first thousand years, the first half of them, they all thought that this world was really important, and that the point of Jesus' life wasn't just what happens after we die, but also what happens now. It should have an effect now. Now, St. Augustine of Hippo said that the point of Jesus coming amongst us was to remind us that we are made in the image of God. Now, if we are made in the image of God, so is every other person. So the point for me, for all of this, is that I learn not only that I am made in the image of God, that but every other person, every person who lives in these communities that we are part of is made in the image of God. And I am invited to live in such a way that they recognise that they are made in the image of God. And that we live in such a way that they not only recognise that they are made in the image of God, but they recognise that every person they live with is also made in the image of God. And they begin to treat them like that as well. Now, can you imagine what our city would look like if we all treated each other as if we are made in the image of God? What an amazing place that would be. That is when God's kingdom has come. God's will is done on earth as in heaven. As we pray every week in the Lord's Prayer. For me, that's the point of it all. For me, that's what it means to be fishers of people. So, as you can see, if we let go of our theological assumptions for just a little while and actually embrace what the Gospel writers are offering us, sometimes we can get some pretty big pictures out of that. So, Back to our first question. How do you experience the call of God and what are we called to? So I'll give you a few seconds to turn around to your neighbour and to talk about that in light of what I've just said.